Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as the scam that it is. I am Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. Now today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Now, when did it become okay to hate the U.S.? And I know, we're talking Nike today, everybody's talking Nike, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and nobody uses Facebook anymore. Twitter, YouTube, everybody's talking about the Nike ad. But when did it become acceptable, certainly on one side, to hate the United States if you believe that you're pushing social justice, whether or not it's based on a lie, which in this case it is. Regardless, I've been thinking about this, and in fact, actually, it, it'll be another book in the works. Uh, it's a grand conspiracy where it isn't a bunch of Soros types at the top. It's not the Illuminati controlling everything and spending vast amounts of wealth on anything. It's not the UN, but rather a couple of cult cultural centers uh, who really at the centerpiece of it is the university, hence the connection to the, the crime of the century. But what they've caused, the stakes that they've driven because of their viewpoints have really caused this division in the United States. And that's what we're exploring today on the crime of the century. So the Nike ad, the infamous Nike ad, right? It says, uh, sacrifice everything, or stand for something even if it means sacrificing everything. That's, that's what the ad is. Sorry, it's a little, the tagline's a little bland, but they use Colin Kaepernick. And who wouldn't, right? Uh, he single-handedly probably destroyed uh, the NFL at its peak. Um, Roger Goodell helped him. I, I am a big sports fan, particularly uh, American football NFL fan. And I, and I just hate to see what's happening in the league, but it's not, it's not just the NFL, it's, it's everything in our society that has a lot of politicization in it. And it's a cultural issue, a broad cultural issue. You know, sometimes we can talk about cult cultural issues, and we will we'll today, uh, between, you know, uh, white and black and, and all of these uh, things that don't necessarily have to do with race so much as identity. And there is a difference between the two. Um, but as a, as a broad culture, um, the, the divisions are deep because there's still the, the old school mentality, and the one I subscribe to, the one the country was built on, where, and what's great about America is the loyalty to this country, the nationalism to for, for this country isn't based on a race. Obviously, the Germans got into trouble with nationalism, sprinkle a little socialism in there. It turns out you kill all the Jewish people in Poland and Germany. But regardless, the, the center of that philosophy has also had a lot to do with German identity, German race. Uh, you know, in that case, white, or in uh, Rwanda in the 90s, had a lot to do with my tribe versus your tribe, even though both sides happen to be black. At the center of it, it was a loyalty to a certain kind of person, or what was perceived as a certain kind of person, group identity. And what's great about the U.S., when you talk about U.S. nationalism, unless you're talking to some skinhead, neo-Nazi, whatever, um, which I don't, that's not mainstream America, despite what CNN will tell you, the great thing about this country is, is nationalism is a loyalty to the Constitution. It's a loyalty to the rule of law. It's a loyalty to John Locke's philosophy. It's a loyalty to our forefathers' philosophy. It's, it's, a, it's a higher grade of nationalism. And that's helped us get through 
all of these issues. You, you think about um, during the civil rights movement, because everything has to be based on race now, but this is the best example to prove my point. You think of the, the civil rights movement. So you take Rosa Parks, and her argument wasn't necessarily uh, black versus white, but she believed in the Constitution and what the Constitution had laid out for everyone, regardless of race. And where she was living in the South, uh, especially, was not holding up to that standard. And so she did something about it. Martin Luther King didn't hate the United States. Martin Luther King, though I don't agree with some of his uh, economic philosophies, he was farther to the left, doesn't matter. I still think of him as a great uh, social philosopher. I think of him as a great uh, uh, spiritual leader because, again, he said, the Constitution says that we believe in this and we're not, at, we're not following that. We're not, as, as a collective, we're not, we're not in line with what the Constitution says. And that message is able to resonate not just with the black community that was feeling legitimate government oppression, and, and I would not discount that. There was horrible atrocities committed then, um, but it was able to reach across to people uh, to the dominant you know, white culture and say, you know, you guys said you believe this and you know, your forefathers wore, were enslaved too, uh, indentured, indentured servitude, why are you doing this to us when you have clearly stated that that, that, that is something you don't like? And it was able to not only grab, uh, grasp the nation's attention, but also change the discourse in, in a healthy way improve the United States. And I would fiercely debate anyone who, who would say that the civil rights movement, you know, uh, wasn't great for the U.S. I think it was. The unfortunate aspect is when the radical leftists took it and decided that they were going to pit black versus white versus, you know, you listen to Martin Luther King and that's not what he wanted. Regardless, he sacrificed a lot. And you look at someone else during that time period in Muhammad Ali, um, who was far more famous than Colin Kaepernick. Uh, Kaepernick did play in a Super Bowl, but you know Alex Smith would have taken that team to the Super Bowl. Alex Smith would have beaten the Green Bay Packers. Colin Kaepernick happened to be able to run and do a uh, kind of poor Michael Vick impression because he didn't end up beating the Baltimore Ravens. And so he had that one year, that one breakout year. There always seems to be, you remember Peyton Hillis, there's always one guy in the NFL who has one spectacular, stellar year, and uh, it, it usually you know, pushes his career down the road to where you say, oh, I remember that guy from that year. He did that thing, the one-year wonder. That's what Colin Kaepernick was. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. It's good star quarterbacks don't get benched for Blaine Gabbert. Good star quarterbacks don't get released from huge lucrative deals. Remember, he signed... Um, when they got rid of Alex Smith, they shipped him off to Kansas City, and Colin Kaepernick gave him, I forget how much it was, it was some ludicrous deal at the time. It was near Eli Manning's deal. Uh, you'll remember uh, Eli Manning signed the largest contract in history at that point uh, with the New York Giants after their Super Bowl, Super Bowl win against the Patriots. So everybody overestimated Colin Kaepernick. But that's all he was. He was just a football player. And then he gets benched for Gabbert and decides he's going to go off on this. All cops are racist and they hate black people. Uh, tirade. And he's going to kneel. And uh, Obama was the president at that point, if that doesn't 
you know, speak to the volumes about how far we've come with uh, racial equality in this country. I don't know what does. So he, we have a black president. We have a black, uh, across all uh, government positions, we had uh, black people, white people, didn't really matter. Colin Kaepernick says we're still racist. All right, fine. So he kneels. You got our attention. What are you going to sacrifice? Turns out the 49ers, uh, even though they live in California, don't really want that to be the spectacle. They don't want people showing up for that. They cut him. And he still goes and he starts this whole, um, well, he's still suing the NFL for blacklisting him, but uh, it starts this whole uh, movement within uh, the NFL where players start kneeling, some players don't like people kneeling, but we get to the Nike ad that says sacrifice everything, like Colin Kaepernick was some Joe Montana, like Colin Kaepernick was Steve Young, that's a better comparison because both of them can run, like Colin Kaepernick was Steve Young who, um, and Young didn't do this, but as Colin Kaepernick, like Muhammad Ali, avoided the Vietnam War and did jail time and could have had millions and, and, and instead decided against all of that. Um, he did make millions, and he was going to get cut regardless if he kneeled for the national anthem. He didn't sacrifice a thing. Then, of course, Nike paid him millions of dollars, and he had other, uh, other deals and media appearances and uh, spotlight time. So he has not missed the game of football because it, this kneeling thing has got him farther than his NFL career ever would have. Now, there's a guy who played for the 49ers before Kaepernick in 2009. He was a third-round draft pick. His name was Glenn Coffey. He was a running back. Played one season. He's all right. I didn't look up his stats before uh, we started the podcast. Uh, I think he had f between four and six hundred yards rushing. Uh, wasn't the starter. Uh, I think he was the third down back. It was when the 49ers had Frank Gore, and uh, Frank Gore was kind of at the height um, of his talents. And Glenn Coffey, after one year, decided to join the U.S. Army Rangers. That's a sacrifice. He went from making potentially millions, um, at least, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars at least per year, to living like everybody else and putting his life on the line for a constitution and a country that gave him the ability to become a spectacle and a great athlete and a, and a modern day gladiator in the new Rome. And he decided, you know what, rather than play fight, rather than pretend to do all this, I'm going to actually do it, and I'm actually going to defend this country. Where's his Nike ad? Where's, where's his recognition for that? I, I'm not sure what happened to him afterward. I believe he's still around. But that speaks volumes about his character. That alone speaks well above any disrespect to the American flag that, that, that Colin Kaepernick can throw. Uh, obviously, the, the other... Uh, the other player that sacrificed much more than Colin Kaepernick is Pat Tillman, who was a emerging safety for the Arizona Cardinals in the early 2000s. He was good friends, if you'll remember, at that time with Jake Plummer, who was the f first good quarterback the Cardinals had had probably in their history <laughs> up to that point. Uh, that was before they had Kurt Warner. And Pat Tillman goes to fight uh, in the... Uh, I believe it was Iraq, uh, maybe Afghanistan, during those conflicts in the early 2000s, and is killed in the line of action. 
it, without the Snuggie ad and without the right bringing up his name, which I don't, I don't even think he was on the right. He, I don't even, I don't know his politics. That was the beauty of sports in those days. I don't know what his politics was. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. Regardless, he's dead and gone, and that's sacrificing everything. He didn't make millions. He didn't make the kind of money that Colin Kaepernick would have being a, uh, being a quarterback and signing that big deal that he did in 2012. And he did a lot uh, for his country. Even even though he died in battle, his action was very symbolic. Even if let's say let's let's say he never he didn't even agree with with President Bush. I know it was a controversial war. He still did something that when when somebody when a when a relatively famous athlete does something like that, it does bring the country together, and kind of gets us behind the war. So his True sacrifice isn't forgotten. But let's shift to Nike. Let me shift to Nike. This ad campaign was, <laughs> and this is where we'll get to the universities from, from all this. Nike's ad is so potentially controversial and so milk toast at the same time, it's almost laughable. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching on Thursday the Eagles uh, and the Falcons. And the Nike ad comes on, just plays one time. Nike ad comes on. I think it was in the third quarter. And if they, I, I didn't recognize uh, Kaepernick's voice because uh, he does a voiceover in the in the, in the ad. Um, at the very end, they show him and he's looking at the flag and he, he turns around and it's the big reveal. It's Colin Kaepernick. If they replace Kaepernick with any other athlete. Replace him with heck, somebody on the other side who's been accused of being a Trump supporter. Accused, of course. Uh, replace him with Tom Brady. That ad is any other Gatorade ad, any other Adidas ad, any other Under Armour ad because it's all about you know fighting through adversity and all the things that are great about sports that show us uh, fighting through the, the, the and how to fight through the tough times in our life and also how to entertain and do all the great things that that sports do and the real necessity that 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 sports provides uh, within our culture it's it, the ad campaign until it shows Colin Kaepernick is not controversial the only controversial statement they had was about Serena Williams and it wasn't even that country. They called her the greatest athlete, and that's objectivity. You can't necessarily debate that with uh, factual evidence, and that's not really a, uh, a a point that can be made. Or, or there, there's arguments on both sides, and there's no definitive answer. That's what I'm saying. But you look at the the Nike ad, and it's like the the brilliance to use Colin Kaepernick. Everybody's talking about it. We're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. The brilliance of the actual ad itself cannot be underestimated. Whoever came up with the idea, I would promote, to be honest. Because, uh, yeah, the stock took a tumble, but it's back up now. You build, um, I would assume they may, they assumed that their demographic is on the side of Colin Kaepernick. So they're playing to their demographic and achieving that, that bond, that closeness. I would fire whoever did the ad. Whoever conceptualized it gets a promotion. He would be immediately demoted or fired if, if he's the one who, who came up with the, uh, with the actual content of it. 
because uh, you look at, remember the old rocker, Alice Cooper? He did the, uh, in the 70s, they said he tore up a chicken on stage and he did all this crazy stuff. And I got all the, all these people to go to his shows because it was controversial. It was seen as, uh, you know, kind of taking it to the man. And it was the 70s, so people were doing crazy stuff. Anyways, so the, the brilliance of using Kaepernick for an advertisement should not be underestimated and actually I would applaud Nike for doing such a thing for going out and being that far into the shock value but then they didn't deliver it's like all right be, if you're going to be that shocking go for it don't be milk toast you're not you don't don't promise me Trump and give me Mitt Romney like go for it you know but but they didn't do that and it, it, it was kind of underwhelming disappointing but and let's shift to this before we get to the universities. Uh, Josh Norman, who's uh, the cornerback for the Washington Redskins, he uh, has had fights on the field with Odo Beckham Jr., who's a famous receiver for the New York Giants. Uh, Josh Norman comes out and, and criticizes Kaepernick really for not sacrificing anything. Not Norman's not going against the protest. He didn't really even say anything that controversial other than what everybody's pretty much noted, which is Kaepernick never sacrificed anything. And then you turn on uh, FS1 and Shannon Sharp's over there. And I love Sharp. Sharp is hilarious, but uh, he's wrong when he talks about politics 99% of the... He's a Skip Bayless of politics, the guy he usually debates with because he's just... Everything's emotional and everything's wrong that he says, most of it. And he goes up there and he starts bashing Josh Norman because he doesn't have the right opinion for a black man. Dak Prescott comes out and says, you know what, maybe we should give it a rest. But again, Prescott, not necessarily saying anything. He's the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, the most recognizable brand in sports. And he says, you know what, he sides with Jerry Jones. Let's just drop the whole thing. That, that didn't, again, doesn't say anything so con very controversial. Uh, again, you turn on any debate show and you've got I don't know what Stephen A. Smith said, but you know Jason Whitlock kind of giving him a crap, and and, and Brian Cox and um, Shannon Sharp. I, you know, I watch Fox Sports over um, ESPN, and it's all because they don't have the right opinion for a black man, and that's and that's that's almost more racist than what Colin. Not almost. It is more racist than the phantoms that Colin Kaepernick is chasing. See, Kaepernick serves a political purpose for the establishment, for the, for the left that wants to push identity politics. He's, he's perfect. He's a black man with a platform and he can say what he wants um, because it goes in line with what they're saying. But if he came out and said, you know what, I'm, uh, I'm protesting the fact that um, because in large part due to Planned Parenthood, which is funded by the government, uh, you have almost as much likely to be a, a black baby aborted as a black baby born. And he says, I'm protesting that. I'm kneeling because we shouldn't be killing babies in this country, or the government should not be funding it. He would have been out of the league. Nobody would have talked about him. Hush, hush. Goodell would have been over there faster um, than, than he's ever moved in his life. Uh, he would have treated him like he was Tom Brady after Deflategate. I mean, it would have been this whole circus. Or if uh, Colin Kaepernick said, uh, would have said, um, I mean, he wouldn't, but, you know, just food for thought if he said, I'm supporting Trump. You know, I'm going out there because Hillary Clinton's a crook and uh, is, is a terrible uh, candidate and the Democrats should know better, so I'm going to go and vote for Trump. Colin Kaepernick would have been kicked out and they would have been kicking him out of San Francisco. He might have been hung in, in California. And so 
you look at it and you say, okay, so it's okay to be black in this country and have a voice so long as you're black and have the right voice. Even the libertarian uh, uh, black community, there's a small minority that are conservative, a growing population that are libertarian that says, you know what, maybe maybe voting for, uh, you know, maybe being forced into voting for Democrats isn't the, the, the best idea because Democrats like to think that they own that demographic and they don't. But you look at it and it, it's almost comical to see you, ha you, can, you can be black but you can only have the right opinion. And that really what it does is just hold the NFL for ransom. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's suing him now because, again, he has the right... Uh, he, I don't think he has uh, a case here, but he has the he has the right opinion, so he'll get Al Sharpton and the, the Democrats behind him, and he'll be able to sue the NFL for blackballing him, quote unquote. Um, he'll, you know, he'll be able to get this brand deal with Nike, all because he has the right opinion. And you look at where this all comes from, and it comes from where 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 did he get it from? His sociology professors, his humanities papers, his people that are paid sixty to hundred grand to sit in an office and lie to you and tell you that everything is from the system and the system's against you and the system this and the system that instead of you know what would be nice if is if these people would tell uh, their black students in particular uh, that you know what you got to college you have a great opportunity in front of you you can make the most of it now there's no barriers in your way there's nobody in your way saying no and if there is go through it and persevere and 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 and, and build yourself up and Provide what your, your provide for your family what your grandparents were denied. They're not saying that though. They're saying you can't because the system's against it. They're saying you can't because you didn't vote right. They're saying you can't because you don't hate Republicans enough. And that in and of itself is almost as as racist as what they claim to be against. It is more racist than what they claim to be against. So you look at the identity politics of it all and what really this symbolizes and the Nike ad doesn't symbolize the the, the phantoms that Colin Kaepernick's chasing it doesn't symbolize the point of view of the left in totality rather it symbolizes the identity politics that all start from the universities and that's part of the kind of the grand conspiracy is there is nobody pulling strings it's just a number of cultural centers that lean so far left this is what you get and, and the politicians are just are just following it and that for my money is part of and a major reason why this is the crime of the century <laughs>